WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Friday, TGIF, June 9th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mix of sun and clouds today. Could see an afternoon shower high 72 saturday sunshine warmer high 79 sunday partly cloudy high 82 if you're walking out the door with us right now it's 53 and partly cloudy in stony point up in rockland county 52 partly cloudy in pennington new jersey and it's 58 and partly cloudy here in midtown so much to get to as we work our way up to the six o'clock hour sid and friends in the morning out yesterday it was about five o'clock clock out with the dog and my dad going for a long walk on in this beautiful park in Secaucus and still people were kind of afraid to be out there. I noticed uh, some outdoor restaurants completely empty. Uh, we walked along this long path that goes through this marsh area. That's kind of a fun place to walk through the Meadowlands empty. That's a place we see tons of people usually on a nice day. So there was a little fear about going out. And it was one of those things where you looked at the sky and you're like, is it cloudy outside? Is it smoke filled? You couldn't really figure it out. And as I was uh, taking uh, my father and the dog for a walk, I wasn't taking my dad for a walk. He's walking with me. I thought to myself, you know, he's an older man. I, maybe I shouldn't have him out here, but uh, he was fine with that. I said, hey, do you want to go for a walk? He said, yeah. And I said, do you want a mask? He goes, no, I don't need that. So, uh, and it was fine. Uh, there was a lot of mosquitoes and insects and stuff like that, but uh, otherwise it's okay. So the good news is more clear air is coming in. That smoke that has been hovering over us for the last couple of days is going to move south. Uh, some people still suffering for sure with asthma and that type of thing. That might take a little while uh, to go away. And um, we're going to look at some of the long-term effects. There are some thoughts that there may be for some people who are more susceptible to this type of thing. We'll get into that as the morning wears on. Right now, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. Donald Trump finds himself indicted once again. The smoke is clearing, but what does it mean for some big weekend events? In Texas, more moves to secure the U.S.-Mexico border. City council members want you to sort out your trash even more. And our fearless WABC leader makes a big announcement about a troubled cable news network. All right, let's get into it. 5.03. This was last night. Maybe you got the alert from us on the WABC app. You should download it if you haven't already. Former President Donald Trump indicted for a second time, this time on at least several uh, seven federal charges in relation to his handling of classified information while out of office. ABC legal analyst here lays out what some of the charges could be when they are unsealed come next Tuesday. At least seven counts here. This ranges from everything from uh, the willful retention of national defense information to conspiracy uh, to a scheme to conceal to false statements and representations. Uh, Obviously, this is part of a years long, more than years long investigation by special counsel Jack Smith and, and Trump's efforts to to obstruct the government to give documents in his possession with classification markings back uh, to government investigators who uh, at multiple
couple times throughout this investigation have tried to retrieve them from Trump. They still had questions about whether Trump still currently has classified documents. Donald Trump last night declaring his innocence after he announced that had been indicted. He was the one who alerted us all. Then he took to Truth Social with a video where he says this is another attack, a witch hunt against him. This is warfare for the law. And they come after Donald Trump weaponizing the Justice Department, weaponizing the FBI We can't let this continue to go on because it's ripping our country to shreds. Now, he's giving us almost all the information we have so far. We're not necessarily hearing from the prosecutors in this case. Trump says he's been summoned to appear in court next Tuesday. That would be down in Miami. They can't stop because it's election interference at the highest level. There's never been anything like what's happened. I'm an innocent man. I'm an innocent person. And as in the case here with Alvin Bragg uh, a couple months back, Donald Trump says he and his legal team going to fight back hard against this. So I just want to tell you, I'm an innocent man. I did nothing wrong. And we'll fight this out just like we've been fighting for seven years. It would be wonderful if we could f- devote our full time to making America great again. So lots of reaction, of course. Uh, first, let's hear from one of Donald Trump's uh, attorneys, Alina uh, Haba. All of these indictments, the American people need to remember. They are a one-sided evidentiary hearing in a grand jury that is put on by far-left Democrats. Prosecutors apparently decided to indict Trump for his alleged mishandling of classified documents and obstruction of government's attempt to retrieve those documents. After what's been a months-long investigation by the special counsel, Jack Smith, the FBI, you'll remember, raided his Mar-a-Lago home in August of last year, discovering over 100 classified documents. It marks the first time, of course, a former president has been charged with a federal crime. Uh, Legal analyst Danny Saveos says the optics, of course, are not very good for Trump, who is on the campaign trail. Ninety-plus percent of federal criminal cases end in guilty pleas. And of those that go to trial, 90 plus percent end in guilty convictions. The numbers are in. You do not want to be in federal court as a criminal defendant. Of course, it's much different than the case that was going to be tried here in New York. And uh, just a a short few hours before Trump announced his own indictment, he was actually giving an exclusive interview to 77 WABC's Bo Snerdly. Maybe you heard part of it yesterday. And he was talking about the American justice system. No doubt he knew or had a good hint that this indictment was coming down yesterday. We have a two-tier system of justice. If you're a Republican or conservative, you got yourself problems. And we're not going to let that happen anymore. We're not going to let it happen. We have no choice well, we're not going to have a country. Uh, they're after me now. You know, they wait till you get out of office. They go after me. WABC News Time 509. Let's stay on this Donald Trump story, the indictment that is uh, coming Tuesday. The former president will have to appear in federal court down in Miami, not too far away from his Mar-a-Lago home. Republicans, as you might guess, some expressing outrage over this federal indictment of the former president over his handling of those classified documents. One of them, South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace, who was on with Sid and Sid and Friends in the morning earlier this week. She's harshly actually criticized Donald Trump in the past, but she claims 
Uh, President Biden's also guilty of mishandling documents uh, as vice president. She wants to know what's going on with that. They have one standard for Donald Trump and another standard for everybody else. So she goes on to claim the Department of Justice only bringing these charges against Trump to try and take out Biden's number one opponent in 2024. Everyone's held to a different standard but Donald Trump. And that's wrong. And I do believe tonight that Joe Biden just secured Donald Trump's nomination. No word on the document case involving President Biden. You'll remember the FBI prosecutors went and took boxes of classified documents from the time when Biden was VP. They were found in his Delaware home as long as well as a office in uh, that he used to use back in the day when he was vice president. No word on that case. But now we're getting a word, of course, on this case with Donald Trump. And while we're talking about President Biden, he was brushing off allegations yesterday that he was involved in an influence peddling scheme during his time as vice president. He doesn't have a lot to say this about this, but he did. Uh, he was asked about this yesterday. It's a bunch of malarkey. So it's hard to say because it's sort of off mic, but he called it a bunch of malarkey, which he likes to use that expression a lot during a press conference at the White House. Asked about a document in the FBI's possession containing a years-old unsubstantiated allegation of bribery against him. The FBI allowed members of a Republican-led House Oversight Committee yesterday to finally view that document after the agency said they were going to go uh, after those. That House said they would go after the FBI for not allowing them to see that document. Republicans have claimed it would shed light on this alleged criminal scheme involving the Biden family. We'll have to wait and see on that. And an FBI official says the agent who testified for Republicans was suspended by the Bureau for leaking sensitive information to a right-wing group. More on that from Brian Schuh. House Democrats now accuse Garrett O'Boyle of lying to the committee and are referring the issue to the Attorney General. Lawmakers found out about the suspension in testimony from the Executive Assistant Director of the FBI for Human Resources to the House Judiciary Committee. I'm Brian Shook. 512, let's stay down in D.C., the Supreme Court, striking down Republican-drawn congressional districts in Alabama that critics say discriminated against black voters. Outside the Supreme Court, reporter, or reporter rather, Julia Ainsley says the decision was kind of a surprise. Two conservative justices, including the Chief Justice John Roberts, joined by Justice Kavanaugh, sided with the majority, saying that Alabama was in violation of Section 2. The nation's highest court voting five to four against Alabama. It means the seven congressional districts will now be redrawn. The decision makes it harder to shut down concerns raised by civil rights advocates that votes from the black community are being diluted by dividing voters in new districts where white voters dominate. When they drew their congressional boundaries, they did not allow civil rights groups, namely black voters, to remedy those violations that they thought that they were committing. 513, let's bring it back here. New York City, tri-state area. It looks like things will be better today. They were a little bit better yesterday with the smoke coming from those fires in Quebec. Started to clear out. But um, last night, it was really quiet here in the city. Outdoor tables were empty. Um, Times Square was pretty packed, but uh, maybe not as packed as it normally would be on a Thursday night. People were definitely sort of waiting this thing out. Today, it's been a lot clearer, but you can still um, kind of taste and... Um, get that irritation. When I find myself, you know, 
uh, um, burden um, from my uh, condition. I, I like to go on long walks, especially in Central Park, and it, just go, it does the body good. It does the brain good. Yeah, well, that's true, but uh, there was not as many people out. I imagine people will come out more. It's going to be nicer weather today. In Hoboken, uh, people there noticed that uh, picture-perfect view of Midtown was back yesterday after it turned that sepia color on Wednesday. Many say it was a sign it was okay to ditch the mask, and they did. I can see the New York City skyline today, so I think that's a good sign. I mean, just not seeing the sky orange, pretty much. That's about it. Yeah, uh, air quality alerts going to stay in place for today across most of the tri-state. Those with health conditions like asthma, heart disease, lung disease, as well as our kids, pregnant uh, individuals, and seniors, all of the above, especially to stay inside. That's Governor Murphy up in the Bronx, where they have one of the highest rates of asthma. People were happy that things, of course, are going to start to ease up, but they're still feeling the effects of it. The hospital had a lot of people showing up who said they were having breathing problems over the last 24 hours. Headache. And I had, like, the real uh, sinus issues. We are kind of in that little hub right in the middle there and i think we are surrounded by so many other factors it's got a hoarse voice my lungs is is bringing up a lot of mucus and i'm decongested in my nose i noticed that my breathing wasn't acting right and if i walk from my building to the corner yeah those numbers at the hospital spiking all across the tri-state so what does this mean for the big events over the weekend you got the belmont stakes the puerto rican day parade we'll get into that as the morning wears on but first 517 let's head over to the 77 wabc sports desk happy friday good morning justin ellis well happy friday and good morning to you gnome alin we begin here on the diamond in the bronx the yankees split their doubleheader with the chicago white sox they lost the first game 6-5 to five after a go-ahead homer in the seventh inning from Chicago slugger Eloy Jimenez before prevailing in the second game by a score of 3 to nothing thanks to a two-run shot from Billy McKinney that paired nicely with Glaber Torres' tenth finger of the year in the following frame. And the pitch is swung on, hit in the air to deep left field. That ball is high, it is far, it is gone! That's Glaber Day. Glaber just hit a two-run home run in the left field seats. And like a good Glaber, Torres is there. A two-run blast, and the Yankees take a 2-0 lead. That call courtesy of WFAN. Do you think he writes that out, or he has it no, all the top a, of his well, head? Well, he does that all, that one all the time. Oh, he does. Because, okay. you know, Glaber's been on the team for a couple But it was funny. I was listening to the Billy McKinney one. He didn't have one for Billy McKinney because they just brought him up from the minors that day. So... <laughs> They didn't have one. He didn't have one for Billy McKinney. So he just goes. Billy McKinney gives the Yankees like a uh, one nothing lead. So he doesn't. You think he writes this out ahead of time? I like, think he's got. He needs time to think about him. I don't, I'm just curious if he can pull that off off the top of his head. I'd be very at impressed. This, at this point, I think it doesn't. I don't think it takes no. him very long okay. to come up with these. But I don't know. Maybe he's got help. Who knows? It doesn't sound like it. He has writers. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, they're on strike. No. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with the split here, the Yanks still take the series loss uh, on the chin before welcoming in the Boston Red Sox, Red Sox for your first installment of the rivalry so far this season. 7.05 p.m. is the first pitch for tonight's opener with Garrett Cole getting the start against Boston's Garrett Whitlock. Now for the Mets, who continue to struggle mightily, and this time in heartbreaking fashion, losing 13-10 to in 10 innings to the Braves in the series finale down in Atlanta. The loss makes six straight now for New York as they get swept for the second straight series. And now sit eight and a half games back up first place Atlanta in the NL East. They'll head to Pittsburgh next, where hopefully something gives against the Pirates. First pitch for the opener is scheduled for 7.05 p.m. tonight with Tyler McGill 
Set to face Pittsburgh's Rich Hill on the ice in Florida. The Panthers beat the Vegas Golden Knights 3-2 in overtime in Game 3. Vegas still holds a two games to one lead with the series staying put in Florida for tomorrow night's Game 4 on the hardwood tonight. The Denver Nuggets and Miami Heat, they're set to tip it off for Game 4 of the NBA Finals at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time in Miami, Denver. Currently holding a two games to one series lead. Here with sports on 77 WABC. No, I'm Justin Alec. WABC News Time 520. We've been hearing from hospitals checking in ER rooms. They have seen higher than average numbers of ER visits related to the asthma complications, respiratory illnesses after the sudden arrival of this wildfire smoke from Canada that spiked air quality to hazardous levels most of this week. Uh, it's not going to be as bad today, but it's still going to be there. Uh, of course, everybody wants to figure out what this means long term, and everybody has their own idea of what it means long term. Dr. Ashke Saul explains why uh, at-risk individuals like pregnant people, those with respiratory issues, senior citizens, may have lingering issues from those really bad air days we've suffered through. And in terms of what, what can this lead to, there's short-term and long-term. In the short-term, if this goes away in, in, by tomorrow or the next day, we shouldn't really see too many devastating effects. But what we worry about is long-term. Mm-hmm. Long-term exposures have been linked to things like heart, heart disease and high risk of stroke. Um, in pregnant patients, you can actually see, even with just a day, of pollution, a higher risk of preterm births. Yeah, so I felt it in my throat a little bit yesterday. The smoke from the fires, of course, had slowed flights at the big three area airports. And normally, if it's fog or rain, they can fly through that. But the FAA says smoke causes more delays than fog or rain because of the advanced navigation systems they use. Smoke just just screws up all that thing. I'll let the FAA guy explain. These systems work well through water droplets, but can be less effective through solid particles such as smoke and ash. Yeah, so the FAA uh, has to use uh, special additional safety measures during smoky conditions. Uh, they have could have greater distances between arriving and departing aircraft. That's why you've seen so many delays, and you may see more today, though I looked just a, about an hour ago. It wasn't as bad as it has been. It also limits the type of aircraft that can land based on their navigation equipment. So... Uh, through rain, fog, that kind of thing, okay, but through smoke, it's much more difficult. Uh, there were people out last night. Uh, like I said, it started to clear out just a little bit, and it felt like not as intense as it has over the days. We saw this uh, up in the Bronx uh, in Little Italy there. there uh, the Lady of Mount Carmel Church has their uh, St. Anthony Festival, which is always a big deal. It was completely packed last night. Yesterday was bad because... It was great. Nobody wanted to be in the smoke like that. So it's like, it was... but today, everybody out here having fun. My wife actually is concerned. When she didn't want me to come to work, but 20 years of doing it, I got to come. Yeah, nobody wanted to miss that festival. It's a good time. Okay, who do we blame for all this? The uh, Everybody's got their thought on this. The governors of New York, New Jersey, of course, both Democrats, say Canadian wildfires are a sure sign of climate change. Here's Governor Hochul, Governor Murphy, holding separate air quality updates, but with the same message. Climate change is here, and unfortunately, this is our new reality. We're living in an era of extreme weather. Statement of fact, and we're going to continue doing what we can to help do our part. Yes, so others would say it's overforestation in some of these places, uh, bad land management, but the governor's not necessarily on board with that. That is the shock value of this, but it's also a wake-up call that this is the new normal for what we're going to be dealing with. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure nothing we want to deal with. It's been pretty awful. This has gone from a couple of months a year to four or five months a year, and unfortunately, 
the expectation is it'll continue to widen. So it's not just the intensity and frequency, it's the, it's the span on the calendar. And the health commissioner in uh, New Jersey, uh, Dr. Judy Persichelli, says about 143 people were uh, in the hospital dealing with asthma issues in the Garden State. Which is the highest number that we've had on average in the last two months. You may recall two months ago we had the significant pollen situation. Yeah, and then um, it's not clear yet if the horses are going to get the green light to race at Belmont Stakes on Saturday. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman says... He thinks they're going to run. I mean, he doesn't really have any sense they're not going to. If Even if they have to hand out masks to some of the people who show up, what is it, about 50,000 people will show up in Belmont Park to watch this race. The horses were out trotting two days ago. Um, I imagine some of them will be out again today. And right now it looks like everything's a go and that there should be no problems, that uh, it will be safe for people to attend the race. It will be safe for the uh, competitors. It will be safe for the horses. Now, it, it does seem like it came out of nowhere, that we got no warning from meteorologists, from city officials, from the lawmakers who should tell us what's going on. It Right? The smoke just sort of appeared. Uh, and Queensboro President Donovan Richards says he wants to know why the city was not better prepared for the smoke. And he says it seemed to him that they didn't know it was coming at all, and they were caught flat-footed, not ready for it. The response certainly felt flat-footed on all levels. I don't think residents knew exactly what was coming, and I think a lot of information uh, was disseminated much later than I would have wanted to see it happen. A Senate panel, by the way, down in D.C., holding a hearing on the escalating numbers of wildfires as the East Coast is blanketed in smoke. A drier and hotter climate results in low fuel moisture, frequently leads to extreme conditions that produces these large and intense wildfires and megafires. Again, depends on who you talk to, Democrats, Republicans. Uh, Director of the Interior Department's Office of Wildland Fire, Jeff Rupert, telling lawmakers yesterday that climate change continues to play an oversized role in the growing intensity of these wildfires in recent years. Republicans pushing back a little bit against that. Climate continues to play an oversized role in the extreme fire weather we're experiencing across the nation and across the continent. Wildfires in Canada have ushered in smoke and poor air quality right here in Washington, D.C. This is what we have been experiencing far too frequently in Wyoming and throughout the West. 526, all right, let's go out to California. California Governor Gavin Newsom proposing a 28th Amendment to the United States Constitution. Newsom says it's a collection of four gun control measures. It raises the minimum age to purchase a firearm from 18 to 21. It mandates universal background checks. It institutes reasonable waiting periods for all gun purchases. And it bans civilians from buying assault rifles. Newsom for sure wanted to take a more larger stage, a global stage run for president. But Joe Biden says he's running, so he did not jump in. Uh, this uh, collection of four gun control measures would allow Congress, states, and local governments to enact additional gun safety measures. He says adding a 28th Amendment would require California, three, uh, 33 other states, to convene a constitutional convention and put this through. Convening a constitutional convention requires two-thirds of the states to call for this. California will be the first. This will guarantee states as well the ability to enact common-sense gun safety laws while leaving the Second Amendment intact and respecting America's gun-owning tradition. 
And another governor, Texas, Governor Greg Abbott, who wants to take a larger, uh, was thinking about running for president, take a global stage as well. He has his own set of bills he's pushing through. We'll get into that as the morning wears on. We are just getting started on this Friday morning. So much more to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. Down in Texas, more moves to secure the U.S.-Mexico border so those buses stop rolling into the Port Authority here. Some city council members, they want you to sort out your trash even more. It won't just be plastics in the rest of the trash. Soon you may have a third trash can you have to put out. And our fearless leader, WABC leader, makes a big announcement about a troubled cable network. We'll get to that and more, but first this at 530. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Friday, June 9th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today could see an afternoon shower, high 72. Saturday, sunshine warmer, high 79. Sunday, partly cloudy, high 82. If you are walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 53, partly cloudy in Stony Point up in Rockland County. 52, partly cloudy in Pennington, New Jersey. And it's 57 and partly clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour right here in the city in a new move to reduce the city's carbon footprint. City Council passing a bill yesterday that'll make it mandatory for residents to separate food waste from household trash, all right? We already do the plastics into one can. That's one night. Then you have all the other trash in the other can. Well, now you may have, well, you will have a third trash can. So get used to seeing more little brown bins around city neighborhoods ready for curbside pickup of organic waste from the kitchen and the yard. A bunch of city council members on board with this. Uh, Shahana Hanif is one of them. She says it's about saving the planet. And she says, especially appropriate, she says, because we've been under attack this week with those wildfires. It couldn't have come at a more urgent time this week. I think we're going to be really keen on uh, holding the feet to the fire because literally we are being covered in wildfire smoke. This is going to start soon. Queens, Brooklyn would be the first two boroughs to be part of this rollout, starting with um, some education about how this is done, some outreach. Uh, then the Bronx, Staten Island will follow come March of next year, and then Manhattan in October of next year. It'll be mandatory in all five boroughs in April of 2025. Uh, some New Yorkers say this is a great idea. Others say, oh, my God, I have to now separate food waste from trash, from plastic. It's like a whole nother job. We love it, uh, especially because we help the environment. Imagine the garbage men. How many different garbage collections you're going to have now? No, he's right about that. So it's just costing a lot of money, I guess, to keep hiring different people to pick up your garbage. As part of this bill, landlords, building managers who don't comply when it becomes mandatory will be subject to fines, similar to what's in place now for recycling based on the amount of units in their building and the number of offenses. But the whole thing goes into effect 2025. They'll start rolling out the ideas, the education uh, towards the end of this year in a couple of the boroughs. 534, let's go down to the U.S. 
U.S. southern border in Texas, where those buses have been packed with migrants sent our way, overwhelming our systems here. Texas Governor Greg Abbott signing a series of border security bills in Texas yesterday. Texas has had to take unprecedented steps in responding to the crisis caused by the Biden administration on and the border. boy, do we have a better understanding of this in a way we did not have just a year ago, right? I mean, I think people paid attention to the migrant crisis, but now people in the East Coast, no doubt, can sympathize with those people in Texas who have been overwhelmed for years. One bill designates drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. That means higher criminal penalties and adds them to the state intelligence databases so they can track these guys when they get them across the border. It has higher penalties for criminal activity. It also adds foreign terrorist organizations to intelligence databases. Yeah, and it also includes state troopers. They're going to train local cops what to look for. This will help DPS and local law enforcement on the border collaborate on achieving success under Operation Lone Star. And let's go down to D.C., the U.S., U.K., standing together in what they say unwavering support for Ukraine in its war with Russia. The British prime minister uh, together with President Biden yesterday. The U.K. and the United States, together with more than 50 partners, have committed historic levels of security assistance to Ukraine. Biden telling a team of reporters yesterday, long-term security in Ukraine, the goal as Russia continues its invasion in there. Contributing significant amounts of security assistance and training Ukrainian troops uh, so they can effectively use the equipment and ammunition we've collectively provided them. We're advancing this goal by providing them the support Ukraine needs now on the battlefield and helping them strengthen uh, their military over the long term. Of course, we've given Ukraine billions of dollars in its battle against Russia. The question is, will Congress continue to sign off on those bills? President Biden says he believes they will. Picture what would happen if we were not supporting Ukraine. Do we think Russia would stop in Kiev? I think not. WABC News Time 539 telling you about the New York City Council telling you to separate trash. They were busy yesterday approving another measure that allows New Yorkers to compare hospital procedure costs online. The bill creates what would be the first in the nation health care accountability office to analyze costs and then publish them. More on that from WABC's James Slippin. The New York City Council's legislation allows New Yorkers to compare the costs of hospital procedures online. Members of the council argue hospitals charge different amounts for the same basic services, but the Greater New York Hospital Association opposes the law, saying hospitals were already working to comply with federal regulations to publish prices. They argue the bill unfairly targets them instead of insurance companies. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. The New York Attorney General suing an anti-abortion group for storming clinics and blocking access to reproductive health care. In New York, we will not be bullied uh, by any right-wing zealots. In New York, we know that abortion care is health care. And in New York, everyone has the right to access the care they need without fear or intimidation. Attorney General Tish James there says Red Rose Rescue is an extremist anti-abortion group that invaded at least three health care clinics in Hempstead, Manhasset out on Long Island, and White Plains in Westchester between April of 2021 and July of 2022. Members of Red Rose Rescue call themselves pro-lifers, but there is no regard for life in stripping away any individual's sense of personal power 
and freedom. Let's go out to Brooklyn. Dozens of Brooklyn college students breaking in into the booming business of cannabis. They're the first graduates of a new cannabis college degree at Cooney uh, at Medgar Evers College in the heart of Crown Heights. Class is in session. It's all about science and business of cannabis, creating the first generation of industry leaders. Um, and you can imagine there's a fair amount of students signing up for this program. Really important to, to break the stigmatism uh, and a negative connotation that cannabis has. Courses include uh, New York Cannabis Dispensary 101, uh, cannabis product testing. Do they do one cannabis product tasting? They didn't say. But Medgar Evers College, the first New York college to offer a cannabis minor. The college is also offering dozens of scholarships. We've been researching cannabis for decades. We have students that range from the 20s to the 30s to the 40s. We have retired students that came back. Yeah, well, and there's plenty of weed stores that they can begin to work in if they come out both legal and illegal. Most of them illegal. Students who study cannabis also receive uh, support for their business ideas uh, at Medgar's Evers College. Did you, uh, were you listening at 7? It was about 7.36 yesterday. Sit and friends in the morning are owner-operated John Castamatidis coming on uh, to talk about a bunch of things. But then he dropped this thing that we weren't expecting where he says he thinks uh, he wants to buy CNN and make a bid for the liberal-leaning network. Here's what it sounded like yesterday. Well, let me tell you something. You heard it first here. I'm going to make an offer to buy back CNN. Is that true? Seriously? Seriously. I mean, they don't know what they're doing over there. No. They need somebody, they need somebody that knows what they're doing. Now, I believed he was serious, but i got to be honest with you. I texted him and I said, really? Are we really going to do it? And he said, yes. Why would, I, <laughs> why would I say it otherwise? The network just let go its CEO amid a big rating slide. And John says he could quickly fix what's wrong there. He says, look, look what I did for WABC. It was totally in the dumps, which it was. Uh, they were even silly enough to let me go. That's how bad things were. Um, but he made it into a winner again. He says he could do the same with CNN. The purpose of, of a news channel is to, to tell the news, not just opinions, and tell the truth. And that's what the people need. Uh, we So we led at 8 o'clock. Uh, we did the story, at least in the 8 o'clock hour, at the top of the hour. So some who had missed John's announcement with Sid heard it during the news. And I have to tell you, behind the scenes, my phone was blowing up. Uh, I had uh, a reporter from the New York Post wanting to know if it was true. I said it was. And then, uh, well, how many people was it? Three writers who I know from CNN and then an on-air personality who I won't reveal who it is, but for sure you know who it is. Uh, they don't want, they wouldn't want me to, but they wanted to know what's John like and is it real? And I said, it's real and you would be really happy <laughs> if you had him as your boss. I said, he's fair. He's a fair-minded guy, and uh, and he wants to make things right. So he says he wants to do this with CNN. Well, I think, uh, look, we're going to make the offer, and uh, let's see what happens. And uh, it deserves better. Uh, John says he would only take a dollar a year in salary, and he says he's pretty sure he could quickly double CNN's profits. So we will watch the story. No doubt uh, it's on the, in some of the major newspapers this morning. If you pick them up, go online. Uh, you'll see there's a lot more details about John wanting to purchase CNN. And while we're talking about him, he's no doubt behind this move by a bipartisan group of lawmakers who are pushing to keep AM radio in new vehicles. Remember when uh, Ford said they were going to drop AM radio? Well, he 
push hard back against uh, Ford and said, you can't do that. You can't take AM radio away from people for emergency reasons. But more important, we're, we're really entertaining. Its unique frequency characteristics allow signals to travel far and wide, overcoming geographical barriers and reaching both urban and remote areas. This makes AM radio an invaluable tool during times of crisis. Yeah, so Republican Congressman Bob Latta of Ohio says uh, AM radio, critical in time of emergencies, and I agree with that. But again, I will point out it's because we're, we're entertaining. Over 45 million Americans tune into AM radio each month. They rely on it for local news, weather, sports, and emergency alerts. Yeah, so trying to push through this bill that would make it mandatory to keep AM radio in cars. I mean, to me, that's a no-brainer. All right. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Good morning, Justin Ellen. Good morning, Gnome Layden. You got any big plans for the weekend? Uh, huge plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, swim party on Saturday? Yeah. Do you really want to know my plans? Or yeah. Just, well, just why do you think I asked? To kill time. I don't know. I'm, what do, I, do you not I got, have much of a sports report? No. Is that what I, you're asking? I get the same sports report I did half an hour ago. I, uh, a big swim party, and then uh-huh. uh, uh, my father's in town. We're going to... He, he's leaving, so we're having a party saying goodbye to him on Sunday. Oh, so very lots cool. of partying. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm going down the shore. I didn't ask. I'm going to the beach. <laughs> so I'll be on the beach. And, Which uh, beach are you going to? Margate. Nice. Have fun. Oh, I will. I will. Are you going to wish my grandpa a happy 80th birthday? Uh, if you want me to, I was just hoping you'd do the sports at some point. Okay. Here we go. On the diamond. <laughs> <laughs> on the diamond in the Bronx. Yankees split their doubleheader with the Chicago White Sox. They lose the first game 6-5. After a go-ahead homer. Very it's, it's very boring. It's very, very boring. <laughs> go-ahead homer in the seventh inning from Chicago Slugger Eloia Minutes. And they prevailed in the second game, winning 3 to nothing thanks to a tour and shot from Billy McKinney that uh, paired nicely with the Glibber Torres' 10th uh, thinger of the year, I should say, in the following frame. But with the split here, the Yanks will take the series loss on the chin before walking into the Boston Red Sox for your first installment of the rivalry so far this season. 7.05 p.m. is first pitch for tonight's opener with Garrett Cole getting the start against Boston's Garrett Whitlock. And now, a four of the Mets who continue to struggle mightily and this time in heartbreaking fashion, losing 13-10 to 10 in 10 innings to the Braves in this series finale down in Atlanta. Loss makes six straight now for the Mets as they get swept for the second straight series and now sit eight and a half games back of first place Atlanta in the NL East. They'll head to Pittsburgh next where hopefully something's going to give against the Pirates. First pitch for the opener is scheduled for 7.05 p.m. tonight with Tyler McGill set to face Pittsburgh's Rich Hill on the ice in Florida. The Panthers beat the Vegas Golden Knights 3-2 in overtime in Game 3. Vegas still holding uh, two games to one lead with the series staying put in Florida for tomorrow night's Game 4. And on the hardwood tonight, the Denver Nuggets and Miami Heat, they're set to tip it off for Game 4 of the NBA Finals at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time in Miami. Denver currently holding a two games to one series lead in that one. Here with Sports Gnome on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Allen. Happy birthday to your grandfather. Oh, brother. thank you, thank you. He's really going to appreciate that. I'm sure he will. Yeah. Well, you'll play this back for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll make his day. Yeah. Exactly. All right, let's catch you up on the biggest stories of the morning, no doubt. The biggest one, former President Donald Trump indicted for a second time, this time on at least seven federal charges in relation to his handling of classified information while out of office. An ABC legal analyst laying out some of what the charges could be. be at least seven counts here. This ranges from everything from uh, the willful retention of national defense information to conspiracy uh, to a scheme to conceal to false statements and representations. Uh, obviously, this is part of a years-long, more than years-long investigation by special counsel Jack Smith and Trump's efforts to uh, obstruct the government to give documents in his possession with classification markings back uh, to government investigators who, uh, at multiple times throughout this investigation have tried 
to retrieve them from Trump. They still had questions about whether Trump still currently has classified documents. The former president taking to his social media platform last night to fight back against this truth social. In fact, everything we know about this indictment so far is really from him. He's the one who tipped us off to it last night on social media. This is warfare for the law, and they come after Donald Trump weaponizing the Justice Department, weaponizing the FBI. We can't let this continue to go on because it's ripping our country to shreds. Trump says he's been summoned to appear in federal court. This would be Tuesday in Miami. They can't stop because it's election interference at the highest level. There's never been anything like what's happened I'm an innocent man. I'm an innocent person. The former president says he's lawyered up, as he was in the last case here with Alvin Bragg in New York City. Fight back hard. So I just want to tell you, I'm an innocent man. I did nothing wrong. And we will fight this out just like we've been fighting for seven years. It would be wonderful if we could devote our full time to making America great again. Trump's attorney, at least one of them, Alina Habba, speaking out last night. All of these indictments, the American people need to remember, they are a one-sided evidentiary hearing in a grand jury that is put on by far-left Democrats. Legal analyst Danny Saveos says the optics, well, they're not good for the former president. 90-plus percent of federal criminal cases end in guilty pleas. And of those that go to trial, 90-plus percent end in guilty convictions. The numbers are in. You do not want to be in federal court as a criminal defendant. While the specific charges are still unknown, the indictment itself pertains to Trump's mishandling of classified documents. The FBI previously raided, you'll remember, Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort. That was last August, found over, uh, found these boxes of classified material. And uh, just oddly enough, yesterday, the former president sat down for an exclusive interview with Bo Snerdley right here, 77 WABC. It was about 4.30 yesterday. Maybe he even knew this indictment was coming down at that moment. Uh, here he was talking about the American justice system. We have a two-tier system of justice. If you're a Republican or conservative, you got yourself problems. And we're not going to let that happen anymore. We're not going to let it happen. We have no choice. Or we're not going to have a country. Uh, they're after me now. You know, they wait till you get out of office. They go after me. And it's it's disgraceful. You can hear that entire interview with Bo Snerdley by surfing on over to WABCRadio.com. Meanwhile, Republicans, a lot of them expressing outrage over this indictment of the former president. One of them, South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace, who's a friend of Sid and Friends in the morning, harshly has criticized Trump in the past. In fact, she wasn't really ready to even endorse him in this election, not yet anyway. But she claims... Hey, President Biden's also guilty of mishandling documents as vice president. What's up with that? They have one standard for Donald Trump and another standard for everybody else. She says the Department of Justice only bringing charges against Trump to try and take out Biden's number one opponent come 2024. Everyone's held to a different standard but Donald Trump. And that's wrong. And I do believe tonight that Joe Biden just secured Donald Trump's nomination. No word uh, on that document case involving President Biden. You'll remember boxes of classified documents from his time as vice president were found in his home in Delaware in an old office. And yesterday, President Biden found himself brushing off allegations he was involved in an influence peddling scheme during his time as vice president. He calls it a bunch of malarkey. I can play for it. It's hard to hear. That's off mic when they yelled the question out. It's a bunch of malarkey. Oh, I guess you can make that out. During a press conference, the White House, he was asked about a document in the FBI's possession containing a years old 
unsubstantiated allegation of bribery against him. The FBI allowing members of a Republican-led House Oversight Committee to view the document after the agency would have been subpoenaed. And so Republicans claim it would shed light this document on an alleged criminal scheme involving the Biden family. And, of course, the uh, other big story of the day are these air alerts. They will be in place again today. But as I look out our wide WABC clear windows to the streets, to the sky above, it looks already like it's going to be a better day. So we'll keep our fingers crossed that the smoke does not continue to pour in like it did earlier this week. But last night... It was kind of deserted at a lot of outdoor restaurants. They said they weren't getting a whole lot of business. Today it's been a lot clearer, but you can still um, kind of taste and um, get that irritation. When I find myself, you know, uh, um, burdened um, from my uh, condition, I, I like to go on long walks, especially in Central Park. And it, just goes, it does the body good. It does the brain good. Yeah, there were still a fair amount of people wearing masks yesterday. in Hoboken, residents noticed that that picture-perfect view of Midtown, which turned sepia on uh, Wednesday, it was was clear last night and so people were ditching the mask. I can see the New York City skyline today so I think that's a good sign. I mean just not seeing the sky orange pretty much that's about it. Yeah and so here's the real question that people always want to know like so in the short term it's not great to be outside but is there lingering effects of all this pollution that's coming in the last couple of days? Dr. Akshay Sayal it says uh, out-risk individuals like pregnant people, uh, people with respiratory issues, they may, may have lingering effects from this bad week of bad air. And in terms of what, what can this lead to, there's short-term and long-term. In the short-term, if this goes away in, in, by tomorrow or the next day, we shouldn't really see too many devastating effects. But what we worry about is long-term. Mm-hmm. Long-term exposures have been linked to things like heart, heart disease and high risk of stroke. Um, in pregnant patients, you can actually see, even with just a day of pollution, a higher risk of preterm births. Yeah, but the good news today, looking up in the sky, it looks a whole lot clearer. What are you doing this weekend? You want to watch a movie? 77 WABC movie critic Joe Malisi has his review of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. It's going to be a big weekend for this flick. It's no surprise that superhero movies are consistently trying to improve with every new release. Many MCU fans dropped off after Avengers Endgame, and since then, every studio has been struggling to retain their fan base. Cue Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. The sequel to the massively successful film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, this film follows a more experienced Miles Morales, played by Shameik Moore, as he continues to navigate his life and struggles as Spider-Man. After a visit from Gwen, played by Haley Steinfeld, Miles' world is turned upside down again as he meets a seemingly infinite number of other Spider-People. This film was as beautiful as the first. With so many different animation styles crammed into one film, it wasn't as jarring as you might think. Truthfully, there were some points where I felt the styles were clashing, but nonetheless, it was a true achievement in the world of animation. The cast, story, and fan service met all of my expectations, and so, to me, this gets a thumbs up in the book of superhero films. The movie's currently in theaters, and I honestly think this is the best way to view it. The colors, sound, and music are meant to be experienced in a theater. I'm Joe Malisi with Cinema in 60 Seconds. You can see that video and uh, clips of the movie by going over to WABCRadio.com.